Unified. It is prospect report time here on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Welcome aboard. I am Bird. This is soon to be Jake Simone. Jake, are you ready? We are a month, just about a month away from the NFL draft. How are you, first of all? Second of all, are you pumped for the next five weeks of our lives? Wow, really? Five weeks away? We are about five weeks away. Five, six weeks. Came up very fast. I think it was just so much anticipation for a lot of free agency dominoes and uh, other things. But, wow. Yeah, I'm excited, man. How can you not be if you're a football fan? It's the most... Wonderful time of the year. I argue with everybody. I think this is the best event in football, period. I mean, it's really for the true football fans. It involves all 32 teams. We don't need any other spectacles going on with with halftime shows and all this other nonsense. And you actually watch the draft with people that give a shit. Yeah, which which is which is the best part, and and like you, the listener that is listening to this, we know that you give a shit. We know that the that the NFL draft is something that intrigues you, and here we are going through all the position groups. We will be doing offense and defense over the next couple of weeks. This week we have the tackles and the interior offensive linemen. Next week we will be doing the running backs and the wide receivers and then next week also we will be doing the quarterbacks the quarterbacks is going to be its own exclusive episode because the quarterbacks there's a lot to talk about with that group and then the following week we will be going to the defensive side of the ball starting with the defensive linemen then going from to linebackers and going to members of the secondary before we get to the mock drafts and everyone on the basement talk podcast family podcast will be providing their own mock drafts i will be doing one jake will be doing one adam will be doing one as we do every single year so before we get into the tackles we have to talk about some news and notes so let's start with the big move over the weekend it was the cowboys trading for brandon cooks it is a fifth and a sixth round pick going to houston brandon cooks goes to Dallas and forms a pretty nice receiving trio with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Um, Jake, obviously this is a fantasy show, so we have to talk about the fantasy implications. Uh, Are you at all interested in Brandon Cooks now in fantasy for 2023? Uh, Yeah, I think very much so, to be honest with you. I think uh, definitely a a thousand-yard season is in store for him with, what, like six or seven touchdowns? That's, That's nice. Yeah, I and we've seen Brandon Cooks be a thousand yard guy before. I think he also takes takes some pressure off of Ceedee Lamb to be the focal point of the Cowboys' offense. So that is obviously fantastic. Which you know, Ceedee Lamb really was the guy to take a lot away, um, take some pressure off of Dak Prescott. He was the only receiving outlet at times last year, and namely in the uh, divisional round versus the 49ers. he was really that guy. But yeah, Brandon Cooks, I would expect I think you could probably rank him as a top 36 receiver very comfortably. Like I haven't I haven't moved him in my ranks as of yet. I'm still waiting for all the dominoes to fall before I'm really doing a deep dive on really updating the ranks, but I would probably say on first glance, 
Brandon Cooks probably is he's probably a top 36, if not borderline top 30 receiver. Yeah. No, he he's definitely a solid, solid play for sure with a safe floor. So for next year, let's let's just play uh America America's favorite game. We'll be doing this more than once um on this episode. Uh let's start first here. Uh Brandon Cooks or Christian Watson in half point PPR. Give me Watson. Yeah, give me Watson as well. Um, Brandon Cooks, or let's do in full, Brandon Cooks or George Pickens? Brandon Cooks. I think I'd go Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks or... Pickens is going to be overdrafted. I agree. In full point PPR, Brandon Cooks or uh, George Pickens' teammate, Deontay Johnson. Ah, Definitely uh, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Brandon Cooks for me as well. Brandon Cooks, or this is going to be a crazy comp. Brandon Cooks in full point PPR or Mike Evans? Wow. Yeah. Who, if you'd said to me a year ago, we'd be talking about Brandon Cooks and Mike Evans potentially in the same sentence, I would have said you're out of your mind, but here we are. I think Evans, but I don't love it. I'm going to say Cooks. Yeah. It's one of those where. I think Cooks is a little safer, but the ceiling is definitely greater for Evans, I think. I'll give you one more. Two guys that are in very similar positions. Brandon Cooks or Christian Kirk? Uh, Give me Kirk. Yeah, give me Kirk uh, as well. So he's a top, he's a top borderline top 30 guy. Um, I think he's very, very intriguing. And you can go ahead and, and take take the stab. Speaking of potentially, potentially very intriguing. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are signing Adam Thielen, former Vikings receiver, to a three-year deal. Obviously, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be that will be throwing Adam Thielen the ball. But on the surface, Jake, is Adam Thielen interesting in fantasy for you in 2023? No. 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 Not interested. He, no. He's not interesting for me either. I don't think he'll crap my he'll crack my top 36. I don't think he's going to crap my top 36 either for uh, what it's worth. But – yeah, he's he's kind of boring, honestly. Durability issues too. Yeah, yeah, he he may not be too bad as like a in, in full point as like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. But yeah, nice paycheck too. Yeah, he got he got paid uh, quite nicely. Uh, Adam Thielen or Juju Smith-Schuster? Juju. Yeah, Juju Juju for me. Um, let's see here. I knew there was, I know there was something else that I wanted to talk about before we go and do anything. Oh yes. The two moves that the, that the Texans made, uh, we'll start with Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz signing a one year, $9 million deal with the Houston Texans. Jake, any interest in Dalton Schultz in 2023? I kind of am interested in him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. A I, little bit. I, I definitely am interested depending on the price, of course, but not a ton of pass catchers in Houston, and uh, quarterback's best friend is always the tight end, the security blanket, and that's kind of where Dalton Schultz thrives, and he's on the one-year deal, still looking to get his cash, gambling on himself again this year. So a little surprised that they couldn't find something in Dallas that would work out, but uh, maybe he wanted a, a different set of uh, circumstances. So, yeah, I'm interested. I would be interested in him as like a top 12 tight end. I, I don't really think he's going to be in the middle where you're talking about him potentially challenging. The no, likes I think, of Goddard. I think he, I, I definitely it's, think he's a top 10 tie. I think he's up there with Goddard and all them. You're definitely, you're underplaying. Let's just say that the, the Texans get Bryce young. I think Bryce young's pretty ready to play right away. I, I kind of like that fit. 
and now potentially the saddest one of all. Devin Singletary signing a one-year deal worth up to about $4 million bucks with the Texans. Jake, is this a massive, massive concern now for Damian Pierce? I would, if I'm a Damian Pierce owner in Dynasty, I'm pressing the panic button. Yeah, this ain't good. It's not even like a compliment to Singletary, or is it me saying I'd rather have Singletary or I will invest in Singletary? It's just like touchdowns will be poached and you just work in general because Singletary will get work. Yeah, he's going to get work. I still think Damian Pierce is going to be is going to be the lead guy, but there is no oh, doubt yeah, not, now there is a guy man. that is behind Pierce that will challenge him for touches. And I think we saw times last year where Damian Pierce was ineffective for long stretches. If Damian Pierce continues to be ineffective, Devin Singletary could just come in, be that guy, and that's kind of it. I kind of think of Pierce is still kind of like a low-end RB2. Yeah, but definitely not now a bit more risky. Yeah, he's not very exciting either. And I think honestly that he's just not an every down running back in the NFL. Like I loved him last year when we did the pre-draft show and I even talked about it. He's not a guy that is going to play first down, second down, third down pass catching duties. Like, no, like he is an early down runner who can catch the ball, He, but he's not an above average pass catcher an above-average route runner. He's a guy where you don't want to give him the ball 20 to 25 times a game. He's more of a 10 to 15 to carry type of guy who's efficient with what his – you know what I'm saying? He needs fresh sure. legs. He, you can't run that way 25 times a game for 17 games a year. You can't. No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree, and we also have to go down the avenue when talking about the Houston Texans, the same argument that we had last year with this team. How many touchdowns really are in this offense? Are we, talking about, are, are we talking about a team that maybe they make a jump and maybe you have something like 30, 35 touchdowns? Is that possible? Sure, it's possible, but probably on a very, very safe, safe end, you're probably talking no more than 25 touchdowns in this offense. And how many of them are going towards whomever they draft a quarterback? And how many of them then are going to be split up, say, on the low end, if it's Bryce Young? Let's just say it's Bryce Young. Bryce Young gets you 18 touchdowns, 18 touchdown passes, low end for a rookie season. You then, if you're talking then 25 touchdowns for that entire offense, there's seven rushing touchdowns to go around. How many go to Bryce Young? How many go to Devin Singletary? How many go to Damian Pierce? It's, it's, it's tricky. You may really need that PPR upside, which at times last year with, I get it in old coaching, coaching staff, but you know, what's what's it going to be like now? And, and you know, there's no loyalty really from D'Amico Ryan's new Texans head coach that he has to show anything with Damian Pierce, honestly. No, I agree, man. I, I would be concerned. Yeah, I would definitely be a bit a bit worried. So uh, Damian Pierce or Cam Akers? Akers. Yep, Akers for me. Uh, Damian Pierce or DeAndre Swift? Ooh. In half. In half, give me Pierce. In full, give me Swift. Okay. I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. If Dalvin Cook gets traded, Damian Pierce or Alexander Madison? Madison. Madison's got to be a top 10 play if he's the, the guy in Minnesota. Okay. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, give you one more. Damian Pierce or 
or Rashad White? Rashad White. Yeah, I would say Rashad White. What about in half? In half. I still like Rashad White. Who are they okay, signing again? Too. Just somebody to be annoying. Chase Edmonds, man. Yeah, I think single. I think single Terry is definitely a bigger threat to Pierce's workload than Chase Edmonds is to Rashad White's sure. workload. Sure, I would agree with that. I would. I would absolutely. Uh, I would absolutely agree with that. Okay, news and notes are done. Let's jump right into the tackles. So, the way we're going to do this is very simple. We are going to give our top five tackles, and we are going to then give a sleeper for the position, and then we are going to discuss them. We are going to talk about the ins and outs. We're going to debate why certain guys are higher or lower for us, and we're going to basically talk about at the end of the day which teams could potentially need tackles in the draft, and there is one one particular team of someone on this podcast that this that this person tends to love a whole lot that could use a tackle. So with that, let's jump right into the tackle ranks. So Jake, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Why don't we start off with, what are we going from five up? Talk about five. five like, I, just, I kind of forget. Five up. So we read, we just read our, our top five. And then based on the top five that we have, whether where we disagree, whether where we agree, we then uh, discuss from there. All right, hang on. Let me pull this. So again. I'll give I'll give mine first. So at five, at five I have Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Four I have Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. Three I have Paris Johnson Jr. out of the Ohio State University. Two I have Broderick Jones out of Georgia, and then number one I have Peter Skoronsky. And then at the end of the top five, I will give my sleeper. Yeah, uh, definitely the same names there for me. A little bit of a different order, but sure. uh, similar concepts. At five, I do have Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, Darnell Wright at four, Paris Johnson at three, Peter Skoronsky. That's uh, you know, that's a tough one to say fast. You really need to sound yes, that is. one out at first. <laughs> um, and then I have Roderick Jones as my offensive tackle one. Okay. All right, so let's just, let's just start with that because most people will say that Skaronsky is the consensus number one tackle, and we'll have a discussion about Skaronsky and potentially where he translates at the NFL level in in a minute. But I, I think most people that are in tune with the NFL draft and the NFL draft rankings and prospects and things like that will be a little bit, a little bit surprised to hear you say Broderick Jones at. Number one, they may even be surprised to hear me say Broderick Jones at number two. So, uh, yeah. Jake, you have him higher than I do. Uh, I do have Skaronsky at one, but what is the thing for you that you see on on film that really jumps off with Broderick Jones? I mean, I don't understand how he's not the consensus one, to be completely honest with you. Like, this isn't, well, you know, he played at a small school. Maybe he's not getting the recognition by the consensus. Maybe, you know, limited experience. Maybe that plays a role. I don't understand. You know, we played in the best conference in all college football. And out of all these guys on this list right here, he has to be the most athletic tackle in this entire draft class. It's not even close. If you look at all the measurables, the arms, the hips, and then when you watch him on film in games, he just simply finishes plays, bro. And in pass protection, he his technique, he's ready to be a plug-and-play left tackle at the next level. So he is already fine-tuned in all areas of being an offensive tackle in the NFL. He's pro-ready. His athleticism off, is off the charts. He projects extremely well. 
He played against the best of the best in the SEC. I don't understand it. I mean, why don't you go watch the game against Alabama, what he did to the to the guy that everybody's calling the best player in the draft? So I don't understand. Um, you know, I don't I get it. Maybe he's not the most he doesn't have the most flash out of all the tackles, I would say. You know, he doesn't really have the highlight reel that we'll talk about some other guys on this list. But uh, listen, what I'm looking for with my guys is guys who are ready, guys who have all the measurables, and guys that have played against premier competition. We talked about this when uh, it was Rashawn Slater. What draft was that, two or three years ago at a Northwestern? Yes. Yeah, everybody was talking about the kid from Oregon, who, who's turned into a good pro, and I liked him too out of the draft. But when you, when we watch Rashawn Slater play, what did he do? against Chase Young, what do you do against Rashawn Gary? These are big-time playmakers, edge rushers at, at the NFL level. I saw the same thing from Broderick Jones in all areas, not just the the, the passing game, just in a run blocking. He's NFL ready as well. Yeah, I think the number one thing that I saw with Broderick Jones on, on tape was just how physical he is and just how able and really just seamless he was at just moving people at the line of scrimmage and the game for me that really jumped off the tape was the Alabama game did but the one for me that really stood out was actually in the SEC championship game against LSU I thought that was really where I was like wow like he, he, he didn't really have a bad game stood out <laughs> he and that was another thing with him too that I noticed compared to his peers there's a game here and there for a couple guys we go yeah wasn't the best that he had a good game he didn't have a bad game <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah no just, he didn't he didn't there really wasn't a game where i was i was underwhelmed there were games where i was like okay you know there's some things that he has to work on and but you also have to remember too with broderick jones this was his first year as a full-time starter his first full year as a full-time starter and he was tied with Paris Johnson, who's been a consensus first round pick for the duration of the draft process. He was tied with Paris Johnson for the third most big time blocks in the entire FBS, which is very telling, which is very, very, very telling. And the size, too, which I know you mentioned, 6'4", yeah. 3'10", and he he really is built just yeah. to the max. He is a huge huge kid i did um, not realize though that this was his first full year starting i i i learned i just learned that now but yeah I, you couldn't have fooled me i don't know why he, and also you got to remember this is georgia as well like this isn't a small school here the, the, georgia's got the best of the best this is the new hub of college football with kirby right. smart so um I, I don't get it i think people are really asleep at the wheel on this kid and i think he is I don't even think it's a debate who the best tackle is in this draft, honestly. I, the fact that he's like the third ranked tackle consensus, I think I saw today with, uh, with Mel Kuyper, who uh, needs to just pack it in already. But that's <laughs> that's another that's another conversation for another day. Um, this kid is going to be really, really good. Very confident in that one. Uh, Would have been the offensive tackle one in last year's draft, too, I think. So. Keep that in mind. Yeah. I think he was better than both those guys. They're there, Aquanu and Evan Neal. Not even close. Right. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about Skaronsky. And I think for me, the most the most the one of the biggest downsides with Skaronsky, and and I, I don't know, maybe 
Maybe you're going to be different on this, or maybe that's something that you that you agree with. But if you're a measurables guy, I don't know if Skaronski really is going to be your your prototype, especially when you're talking about arm length. I know that there are people were a little bit turned off by the 32 and a quarter inch arms. For, for me, we, we've we've heard that same song and dance. We know that there's guys with shorter arms, shorter hands, you know, whatever whatever it may be. I think the most important thing is that we talked about Rashawn Slater a minute ago. Skaronsky was the guy that took over for Rashawn Slater, and he was able to replicate, if not better, what Rashawn Slater did at Northwestern when Skaronsky took over. He allowed six pressures the entire year in 2022. That is so, so impressive. His feet, balance, hands, are they are textbook for what you would want out of a left tackle at the next level. Now, with that being said, I also think, and Jake, maybe this is where you could probably take over because I know we've had a little bit of this of this conversation, and and maybe you could take over with this one. But some people will say that he might be better off as a guard at the next level. Some people may say he's better off as a right tackle. I think if you want to play him as a true out and out left tackle, you can do it. But if you if you were saying that you bring him in and you want him to play a guard, he'll absolutely do a job. And I think I don't know if I could say it. There is an all pro lock. Like I don't know if there is one in this class. Like there was yeah, maybe, Broderick Jones. <laughs> well, for for you, yes, it, it could be. I don't know if Broderick Jones is for me. I don't know if Paris Johnson is for me. I don't know if Skaronsky is. Like I know uh, the last couple of years we had we've had the likes of Tristan Wirfs, Evan Neal. Andrew Thomas, who we both, who we were very high on all of those guys. I don't know if there is that locked and loaded no. guy where I'm like, okay, you draft this guy. He is an all pro for the next decade. I don't know if Skaronsky is that, but is he a very, very good, solid, steady offensive lineman? Kind of in the way where like we talked about Tyler Linderbaum last year, where it was like, you knew what you were going to get. I think that's what Skaronsky kind of brings to the table. You know what you're going to get with him. But at the same time, and I know, Jake, maybe you're going to disagree and you're going to provide your take on what you didn't really uh, like about Skaronsky, that he may not necessarily be everybody's cup of tea. Well, wait a minute. He's, you know, he, <laughs> he's still pretty high on my list. It's not like he's outside no, my top five. He's still number you may two. Not be, you're not as glowing I, about him as, as, as I am. Well, listen, I think he is definitely a guy that is a top 20 player in the draft. I think top 10 is... Not for me, uh, not as far as my money goes. But again, when we were talking about him being a guard, can he play tackle? I think so, but I think he might struggle right away in the NFL. I think there's definitely some things he needs to refine um, with this technique. I think his footwork is definitely very good. I think his agility is exceptional, but where he struggles, I'm not sure that he has that. Some guys, when you watch him, just pancake players. You know what I'm saying? Like he is not that. I don't want to like curse too badly on him. He's not a bad mofo on on film. You know what I'm saying? Like he is yes. not completely taking souls on the offensive line for me. He's a solid, solid blocker on all fronts with pass protection. He's got solid technique. But the only thing with me is he relies a lot on his speed. He's not the strongest guy either. I don't know what he bet. Again, I don't really think the, the bench press at the NFL combine is king, but like. To me, he just does not necessarily have that strength that an NFL left tackle may need to thrive at the next level. And if you look, his best game was probably 
um, against Michigan. I believe it was the Ojabo kid that came out of that draft, right? Last year, he was the he was the hot commodity. It was, was he uh, the year before. Yeah, it was Ojabo, and then it was uh, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Okay, so they were both there. And what is Ojabo really known for? He is a fast, twitched up son of. I'm trying not to curse on you. Sob. Yeah. No, you're right. He, you're 100 right. And that's where he thrives. So again, I think it's all there for him. But if I'm drafting this high in the draft. I need somebody that's ready to play right away to be my left tackle. I don't think he's that. He might even be better suited to play right tackle, to be completely honest with you. Sure. So, sure. Um, I do like the versatility. You're probably not drafting a guard that high in the draft. If you're dra- drafting inside the top 20, he probably has to be like a generational type guy. I think the last guard that was drafted um, inside the top 15 was Oliveira Tucker. When the Jets took him, I think it was at 14 they took him in – you know, he was on pace, on pace to be an all pro last year before he got hurt. Um, and he also had ver- versatility too, where he could have played tackle as well, just like Skaronsky. So, and I like, I like ABT coming out of the draft a lot more than him. So, um, but yeah, I, I think he's a fine prospect. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, rain all over this kid and talk about what he doesn't do well because there's still a lot of things to like. And if a team takes him, good on them. But over Broderick Jones, no way. So let's talk about now our consensus you had paris johnson at three correct i do okay i, I do. have paris johnson at three uh, as well uh there's some questions as to as to whether or not paris johnson is a tackle or a guard uh jake where do you where do you project paris johnson the most it's a trick it's a tricky one i kind of think he can be a tackle i just don't know if he if he is well a a left tackle though he, but he's another one though i just don't know i think early on you're going to have a lot of lumps with this kid you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying you need to be patient with him i think he needs a lot of work in pass protection especially i think in the run game right away he will be above average for a team so i think he's a tackle though i think long term he will with nfl coaching nfl strength and conditioning He's going to be a fine tackle for a team. So sure. I, I don't, I'm not moving this kid to guard. I think he's a little too good to be kicked inside. Well, he started, he did start out his career as a, as a guard as well, but then like really, a lot of, ta- a lot of tackles though. Yeah. He, he played that. his first, his first full season at, at Ohio state. He was a guard. And then his second year this past year is when he really kicked out to left tackle. And he made, he did make it look like it was he, very natural to him. He 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 is a complete mauler though on that offensive line. There's yes, no doubt is. about it. He a lot of guys are are you know like speed to power. This guy is just flat out power. He's not necessarily the most agile guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of stiffness for me. That's why I think in pass protection maybe cause to pause a little bit with him, especially early on. So, I I <laughs> I like this guy too. I think that all three of these guys are top twenty picks for me in this year's draft. And then after that, I think there's a little bit of a drop off for these three. So, yeah, I would agree. There is definitely a drop off after we get past uh, past Paris Johnson. I would say that for me, I didn't love so much the hands with him like I did with Skaronsky and with Jones. I thought that was a little bit lack of eh. technique. Yeah, it's just yeah. very like freestyle, like no real plan to attack, if that makes sense. You could tell he's very yeah. raw, very, very raw. Yeah, very raw. Needs to needs to really improve. 
especially with the hands, needs to become, I, I think, a bit more athletic. And he's a little, I, I agree with you, I thought he was a little stiff in the hips. Uh, footwork was fine. I think he can improve on that a little bit, become more polished in that area. But he has all of the raw, the raw tools. He just needs to fine-tune them, if that makes sense. To, to a much lesser extent, because obviously the weights are different, he actually reminds me a little bit of Makai Becton coming out of college in that draft in 2020 with the way he played. A little bit. Yeah, I, I, bit. I saw. I definitely saw a, a good amount of uh, comparison there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's a, that's a very, very good cop. Um. Okay, so now you had Anton Harrison at four, like I did, correct? Uh, yes. No, I had Darnell Wright at four. At you, you did Darnell Wright at four, then you Anton Harrison at five. That is correct. All right. So we can just talk generally about Harrison and, uh, and Darnell Wright. Uh, let's start with, let's start with Darnell Wright. Cause he, he was, he was interesting for me. Uh, Jake, what was the one thing about Darnell Wright that really stood off for you on, uh, on film? It sounds really weird, but I don't even think, I thought he was better in, in 2021 than he was this year, to be completely honest with you. Yes, I thought yes. I thought he looked better playing right tackle than he did left tackle. So that was definitely um, not necessarily like, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm drafting, I'm, I'm really I really want a left tackle if I'm drafting this high in the draft as opposed to a right tackle. That's the bread and butter. Sure. Of, that's a premium position. And I get it. Right tackle. I'm not saying right tackle is important in the NFL, but you usually wanted somebody that can protect the quarterback's blind side. But the raw ability has always been there. So. With him, I, he he looked a little under, not like underdeveloped, but again, just another raw kid. The size is definitely there and all the measurables are off the charts. But again, a little stiff, didn't have the best footwork for me. Looked like his feet weren't necessarily in sync with his brain a lot of times in pass protection. And, with the, and we see it all the time in the NFL. These pass rushers in the NFL are like on... Every, you know what I'm saying? It's like times a thousand a pass rush in the NFL compared to what you're seeing in college. I do like that he played very good competition in the SEC, but I just don't think he's ready to play right away, to be completely honest with you. I, I don't even know if like we're getting to this point in the draft. Like, is he really a first round pick? I, I don't think so. I think the next two guys are, are I can't take them in the first round for my money. No, Darnell Wright for me, he he definitely projects more of as an early day two sort of pick uh the one game for me in 2022 that really jumped off and really is the reason why he's on the map to begin with is how he fared against will anderson when tennessee played alabama that yeah. was really like the textbook sort of game where you were like oh okay you know he, he looks he looks nice for me he's he is a right tackle i don't really see him as you know protecting a quarterback's blind side or 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 anything like that um, I think where he thrives, if anywhere, is if you have to pick like the strongest spot, I would say the frame really helps him. 6'6", 335. You're not going to have uh, an edge rusher that's really going to bull rush him to with much success. Like you really do have to rely on moves and and jukes and spins to get past Darnell Wright, which I think no, for a lot of teams. at this guy. Yeah, for, for, a lot, for a lot of teams, people – there are there are evaluators that are out there that'll be like, well, the frame the frame itself is is worth you know having having a little bit of of a look at. Uh, pass protection, I thought he was really 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 good. 
against the run, I thought he I thought he was I thought he was uh okay. Like it was it wasn't really like the best I've ever seen, if I'm if I'm being really honest. Uh he's just he's I think at the end of the day, he does a lot of things adequately, but there isn't really anything about Darnell Wright outside of size that really makes me go, wow. He him. plays smaller than his size, and that was yes, a little yes. bit of a, a drawback for me. Um, but yeah, to me, he's like a late first, early day two pick. Um, definitely needs to be developed a, a lot more um, at the next level. I would agree. So, Anton Harrison, Jake, what was the thing that stood up for you with Anton Harrison? For me, for me, I thought the number one thing immediately, which is why I didn't really group him in that uh, top three, was I just don't think he is athletic enough where you're you can compare him to the likes of. Jones, Johnson, and Skaronsky. I agree 100% there. But you know who else wasn't a great athlete either at Oklahoma coming out of college? And everybody slept on him. And I think he honestly went in, what, day two of the draft? Was Orlando Brown. That's true. So who knows? Maybe it's something going on there. Um, yeah, I thought for, for a second me, you were going to say Lane Johnson. And then you said second second round of the draft. I was like, oh, it's not him. Yeah, Lane Johnson went like fourth pick in the draft. Yeah, no. Right? He was a, I think he was a top 10 pick. Yeah, he definitely uh, was there. But he, yeah, you're right, though. He just wasn't an explode. And I get it. Like, I, I, explosion is all over the football field. It doesn't matter what position you play. He just didn't look like an explosive athlete to me. Um, and honestly, with him, I thought in the run game he was above average. But again, in pass protection, it was very stiff in the hips. Didn't necessarily have the stick. Like, as, a, as an offensive lineman, you need to have very heavy hands for me. Um, I thought that he kind of got pushed around a little bit by the more athletic guys, and the athleticism deficiency started to show. Again, I don't know. Where is he being mocked right now? Like a late first round? I just don't think he's a first-round pick for me. I think the talent in this draft really drops off at the tackle position after the first three guys. I just think that the other guys are just so much better than him. Um, Whereas this guy, I don't know if he's ready to play right away in the NFL. I think he needs... You know, a few games, maybe he gets some action this year, but a guy that really needs to be developed with some NFL coaching. And to be honest with you, he looked a lot bigger. I'm looking at his his uh, his size right here. He looked a lot bigger than 315 to me. He honestly, I thought or maybe needed to lose a little bit of weight. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely he plays bigger where I yeah. think, you know, he's he in a lot of ways is, is the the anti uh, Darnell Wright, where I thought Harrison, the best part of his game was how he used his hands and really once he got a hold of someone he got a hold of him and i i did i did like that but it is in the run game where there is a bit of a problem where he just he is not as effective in run protection as he is in pass protection and that at the at the next level where you're more of that one trick pony can can it be taught absolutely it can but I think a lot of offensive line coaches and a lot of just coaches in general and teams in general really want to see that you have both sides, a little bit of something there. And I just don't know if Anton Harrison has that run game prowess like he does with the, with the pass game. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. I like him though. I would take him If I was a team that was not deep at tackle, but like, you know, I have bodies there. I'm not the, depending on him to be the first day one tackle for my team, I would definitely take a shot on this kid. All right. So with the top five done, 
Now it is time to get into our sleepers. So, Jake, who is your sleeper tackle prospect? Anybody outside of the top five that we did not mention? Yeah, it's not really so much of a sleeper because I think he's going in the same range as this guy. But honestly, I kind of regret not putting him on the list. Jalen Duncan Mm. out of Maryland. My God, this guy was taking people to the cleaners. But again, just the definition of a raw athlete for me. And you could tell that he's definitely more of a projection at this point than a finished product. But the the ceiling with this kid is through the roof. I would not be shocked if he's better. He could be, I don't know about the best tackle in this draft, but he could be as good as the second or third best tackle in this draft. But uh, th- definitely the NFL coaching compared to what he was receiving in Maryland is going to pay off dividends because this kid, the sky is definitely the limit. I, I think somebody is going to be very, very pleased with this guy. And honestly, I kind of regret not putting him on the list, but um, there's, there are some things that he needs to work through and I think he will work through. Um, But this year was a really, really positive year for him as well. So he definitely helped out his draft stock this year. Yeah. He definitely came on, came onto the map this year and he made made strides in that department. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about him. (laughs) Yeah. He's still, he's still, he's still raw, but I think, you know, if you're looking for a guy that could be a bit of a project at the next level, I think Jalen Duncan can definitely uh, fill that criteria. Uh, my guy definitely is that and probably one of the most physically imposing guys that is in this class by a lot with a seven foot five wingspan. And that is Daywan Jones out of Ohio State. Loved the physicality that he brought to the table. He's completely capable of taking any edge rusher and completely taking them out of the play. Uh, his technique for a guy that is six, eight, three fifty nine is pretty consistent. Like I have to say, I was, I was generally impressed. Um, he moves pretty well for a guy that's three fifty plus, but the feet, the feet are a, are a big problem. When he gets beat, he gets beat and it, it get it could get very, very, very ugly. I think where where Daywan Jones could actually be the most effective is in a team that really is very run centric. So think of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, think of the Philadelphia Eagles, those kind of teams that really utilize the run game and build their offenses around the run. I think that's where Daywan Jones can be most effective. I don't know if I'm comfortable with him, you know, being a consistent, a consistent force in pass protection. It can be, it can be taught for sure, but I think I am most comfortable where you can get if you can get Daywan Jones on the move and at 68359 good luck. Good luck trying to trying to stop that. That's that's like a runaway freight train coming right at you. Yeah, I mean guys that big do concern me though, man, because then you got to be on top of their weight. They they have to keep their weight in order because if they don't not going to be able to last. And yes, that's a tough that, investment that's correct. for me as a talent evaluator. So, definitely a good shout there, um but yeah, I just like the other guys better than him. I think that's what it came down to. Yeah, one of the other guys that I know I wanted to uh, potentially put in this as well, uh, given the level of competition that he went up against in the ACC this year, and that's Matthew Bergeron out of out of Syracuse, out-and-out pass protector. And I think you look at the competition that he went up against uh, just from his time in the ACC, going up against the likes of Yasir Abdullah, Yaya Diaby, Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy we're talking about as a potential first-round pick in this draft. And he 
completely held his own. And I think anybody that's going up against the level of pass rushing talent in the ACC that Bergeron went up against, that's going to prepare anybody for what it's like at the NFL level. So having that big time experience against really, really solid, good pass rushers, I think that def- that definitely helps Bergeron. Um, it's the run game with him where I think it's littered with just too many plays where he just is knocked off balance. The footwork isn't that great. Um, and he really, I think is more on his toes where I think you really want to see, uh, be him be a bit more balanced where, you know, on your toes as everyone, you know, can paint the picture in your head, you're on your toes, you're off balance. You become too top heavy. So. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to talk about with the, with the tackles? We could just talk about teams that I think would be in the market for tackles. I think you look at the Chicago bears and the New York jets are the two top of the list that you could consider in the market for for a premium tackle uh jake is there anybody else that i'm that i'm missing don't have the exact order on me right now but i think the eagles are going to look for a tackle as well i think they know that lane johnson is heading towards the end of his career and he's always battling injuries i would watch them at number 10 for taking a tackle and outside of them in that like top 15 to 20 range, I could see the Packers maybe taking a tackle as well with David Bakhtiari probably on his last year and always injured as well. They probably mm-hmm. want to secure Jordan Love's blind side. So there will be teams looking for tackles. I think that four of our five will be taken in the first round. I'm pretty comfortable in saying that. I wouldn't be shocked to see as many as five offensive tackles in the first round. Um, just out of pure necessity of, I personally wouldn't take them there in terms of my top 32 players, but out of just pure necessity of teams and the demand for tackles, I, I could see as many as five go in the first round. So th- this is kind of the range where I could see a team going for a tackle. I think it obviously starts at number nine with the bears and any team that wants their crack at the first tackle, will have to trade up over Chicago in order, in order to do it. Uh, but then you have the Eagles at 10, like you said, the Titans at 11. Now that they cut Taylor Lewan, that could be a team that could be in the market for a tackle. Uh, the Texans, maybe not. I think they need more. They need to emphasize more in the skill position department, especially if they go quarterback at two. I think there's a chance they were going to go more uh, looking at the receivers at at number 12. The Jets we've talked about. You never rule out the Patriots with taking an offensive lineman ever. Uh, and then the Packers think is a very good shout. And I also think the Washington Commanders as well, I think could be a very, very good shout. So you have five or six teams between nine and 16 that could be in the market for a tackle. I could, I would say you could potentially look at one of those teams in the 13 to 16 range, maybe look to trade up over Chicago to get their crack at whether it be a Skaronsky, a Jones or um, or a Paris Johnson. I agree. I, I, you know, I just think tackle is one of those positions where you're never truly set at tackle. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you. All right, Jake. That's it. That is it for our first prospect show that is in the bag. We'll be doing at least one of these a week leading up to the NFL draft. Most weeks we'll be doubling up and doing and doing two a week. Um, As we get closer to the end, we'll be able to, to, you know, lean off of it a little bit. Uh, and do one group a week, but at least starting off, we're going to be doing uh, two a week. 
So later this week, you'll be hearing the interior offensive linemen. So we will be talking about guards and we're talking about centers. So we'll be grouping those into the same category. So if you like what you heard, leave a five-star review. Tell us how much you loved, loved, loved the program. So for Jake, I am Bird. Thank you so much for listening to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.